My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He's gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what is lost. The Gospel of the Lord. The headline read, The Most Hated Man. I'm not sure what internet dark hole led me to that headline. I have to honor my beloved college students having ADD in in this day and age that we live with this information overload to the point that a handheld device I carry around that started out as a phone is now an ever-present distraction on seemingly every possible front. So I don't know how I would have made it through my freshman year with all these things, but I digress. Somehow, some site, some tweet, some post had that headline, the most hated man, and curiosity got to me. Who's the most hated man? Was there some poll or a vote that I missed? Sadly and uncharitably, I have my own candidates, something that I hate to admit is a recurring theme in my own examination of conscience when I have to go to confession. And as that curiosity got the best of me, I clicked on the article, which was from Vanity Fair, imagining it's going to be some notorious man from history or that this is a a controversial and provocative headline where they're going to malign some public figure that's going to both enrage and delight different crowds of people and get more attention for their article. And I was surprised I'd been proven completely wrong in all those guesses. In fact, I had never even heard of the guy, Martin Shkreli, which I think I'm saying it correctly, which is weird for someone that's been named the most hated man, you would think would have instant recognition. But the opening paragraph was incredibly authoritative, not to mention cynical, as they said, rarely is justice served 
in this horrible world of ours. So when Martin Shkreli, also known as America's most punchable or most heated man, has a bad day, it's important to take notice. Obviously, the author has some pretty strong opinions about this guy. Why this anger and this hostility? Well, what first raised Martin to the notorious heights of infamy was for being the mastermind of his pharmaceutical company that was found guilty of price gouging, life-saving medication for AIDS patients. So a pill that cost $17.50 to make had been inflated 4,000% to $750 a pill. Not content with being able to unite a polarized and divided country and being universally infuriated over such a gross abuse, Martin seemed to relish his infamy. First, there were incidents where he used his, his social media to publicly harass female journalists in some really disgusting stuff. After that disturbing behavior, he then seemed to go above and beyond trying to tick people off. So back in 2015, the hip-hop group Wu-Tang Clan had this unique idea of recording a secret, one-of-a-kind album that they would auction that would not and could not be released commercially for over 100 years. They were trying to bring back the idea of, of having a patron for the arts where someone would support creative individuals and then share their work freely. So they could share this work at public events and on concerts and stuff, but they could never sell it. So this album took over six years to produce, and the single copy was stored in Morocco, where it went up for auction and sold for an unprecedented $2 million, becoming the most expensive work of music ever sold. And you guessed it, the winner was Martin, who taunted fans by bragging that he owned it with the insult I'll probably never even hear it. I just thought it'd be funny to keep it from people. I've never heard of Martin before this article. I could never name a single track from the Wu-Tang Clan's albums. But by the end of the article, the author had me pretty disgusted. I won't say I hated the guy, but you could definitely get me on board to agreeing he's a colossal jerk. In a world where we're constantly bombarded by awful news, why even bring attention to this man and this really awful story? Because I think for the most part, when we hear scriptures, we're kind of used to the narrative and the stories being familiar, but they're somewhat benign to us. We encounter this gospel passage, for example, and we hear this story about Zacchaeus, who goes from being on the outside brought in. Children's Bible stories portray him as this poor, lovable figure who's sitting in a tree. And we are so used to Jesus seemingly to take it to those who are religious and imagine they're always wrong, they're always misreading the situation, they're always being hypocritical and judgmental and not giving people a chance. And so this gospel can get filed as a, as a lesson in being nice and not judgmental. And that's not the case at all. Zacchaeus would have been, if not the winner, on the list of contenders for the most hated man of his day and time. He was not just a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. 
Being a tax collector was bad enough. These were Jewish men who had decided to collaborate with the Romans, who were an enemy, dictatorial, occupying force for the Jews. These Jewish men decided to collect these exorbitant fees from their fellow people. The Jews, who to this very day celebrate the Passover as their freedom from Egyptian slavery through all those signs of wonders by God being led through his servant Moses, had basically been re-enslaved by the Romans. And the tax collectors, their very sons and brothers, were in on it. Zacchaeus wasn't just one of the guys, he was the chief tax collector, as St. Luke tells us, and also a wealthy man. That means he had done such a good job collecting taxes from his own that he had been promoted by the Romans to oversee a whole bunch of other guys doing the same thing. His riches from being able to not just profit from raising the rates of the money collected from his own, but also skimming off the top of those he supervised. So now you get a better sense of things. He's not just climbing a tree because he can't see because of his stature which always makes me wonder, was St. Luke throwing shade at the guy by saying Zacchaeus was short, as if Luke is still trying to work through his own issues of anger and forgiveness. Zacchaeus is climbing the tree because he doesn't want to be near the crowd, knowing how many people hated him and would love to get their hands on him. Or maybe he's afraid that the crowds are going to point out to Jesus all the atrocious and evil things that the guy had done, publicly mocking and shaming him. He hadn't just made mistakes or committed sins out of weakness and succumbing to temptation. He was fully invested in them. There are good and valid and understandable reasons for him being despised and hated by everyone. Well, almost everyone. Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. We don't know what motivated Zacchaeus to be there that day. There surely had been enough word on the street about all that Jesus had said and done to draw crowds everywhere that he went, particularly at this stage of his ministry as he's about to enter Jerusalem and face his passion and his death on the cross. So we don't know for sure why Zacchaeus is there. And if we were in downtown Jericho as one of the townspeople, more than likely we would have our own theories, most of which not imagining anything positive. But God asks us to see from his perspective. Think back to the first reading we heard today from the Book of Wisdom. The sacred author of that text, reflecting on who God is, tells us, you love all things that are and loathe nothing that you have made. For what you hated, you would not have fashioned. Jesus, being fully God, can't join in the crowd's hatred for this man or even in this man's hatred for himself because that's not who God is. It hit me as I was reflecting on these readings that a week ago, what did we hear at Mass? Do you remember last Sunday's Gospel? It was a parable where Jesus was telling a story about two men who were praying in the temple. One was a religious man who was doing all the right things like fasting, 
praying and tithing. He was doing all those things regularly. And the other was quite the opposite. The Pharisee, unfortunately, was blinded by all he was doing and is so proud of himself that he ended up praising himself rather than praising God. The other one, Jesus described as, would not raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast and prayed, O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What if this other one wasn't simply a fictitious character in Jesus' parable described as a tax collector that Jesus saw and knew but was Zacchaeus himself? That the man in the parable who couldn't raise his eyes to heaven would turn out to be Zacchaeus looking down from a tree. So Jesus looks up. Jesus looks up at him and he sees him. He always has. He knows him, not for all the evil things he's done, but as one fashioned and made by his divine hands with potential, with a divine assignment. Jesus knows he's not living that life right now. And he knows in some part of his heart, Zacchaeus hates that about himself, hates what his life has become and what he has become. And in all that, Zacchaeus has probably heard the Romans call him useful traitor, collaborator, all kinds of things. He's probably heard all kinds of insults from the crowd. How long has it been since he's heard his given name, Zacchaeus, being uttered? Or have it heard with such absolute and complete love? Zacchaeus, come down quickly. For today, I must stay at your house. Zacchaeus is seen and known and called. But what's essential is that this isn't just a one and done experience in this one day. It's not like Jesus is simply loving him and saying, we're all good. You can go back to what you were doing and to everyone else. Just leave him alone. Be nice to him. Zacchaeus recognizes in encountering Jesus, everything has to change. Life can't continue as it has before. And he probably didn't want it to. That's what makes him move into making these acts of reparation and restoration. He needed to be reminded of who he was, fashioned by God. He needed to be told it wasn't too late for him. He needed to hear, even then and there, at that point in his life and his career, he still had a chance to turn away from all the sin and brokenness that had become the norm and had become comfortable and to be forgiven and healed and made whole into a new creation, restored and enveloped in joy by Jesus. These readings come as we enter a unique time in the church calendar. On Tuesday, we celebrate All Saints Day. On Wednesday, All Souls Day. And then the next few weeks, the gospel readings on Sunday start to focus on what we call the last things. Death, judgment, heaven, hell, purgatory. The word of God coupled by even the turning of the seasons with the beauty of autumn reflecting creation transitioning from life to death. It seems that all around us, the Lord is gently but obviously trying to remind us that Life here on earth is not all there is. 
that this life of ours is unique and fragile and precious. And that's not meant to cause us fear, but rather honest reflection. Where am I in my walk with the Lord? Am I living in a way, as St. Paul put it to the Thessalonians, is worthy of his calling? The good news is in our hearing this, we still have time. The good news is that Jesus sees us and looks up at us with his gaze of love. The good news is that Jesus knows and calls each of us with that voice of love to follow him, to experience salvation. The good news is that all the things that can distract us from those realities, the things about ourselves that we're ashamed or embarrassed of, the things that we despise, it's even the things we hate about ourselves. Jesus wants us to stop the hiding and stop the deflecting to bring them to him, to go to confession and experience ourselves the truth that his love is greater than any and every one of those things. Zacchaeus did and goes from being some villain who had been despised and forgotten to recorded in scriptures for his conversion. And for that, this most hated man gives us an example that's worthy of following.